Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB in studio uh, saying cheers to Phil. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, JB. Uh, and down the line, all the, all the way in Greece, Yamas, Tim Cocker. Yamas, gentlemen. Kalispera. Uh, I don't know the second bit, mate. I only know one word of Greece. I know two words, two Greek things, really. I know Yamas and uh, Tisperus because he's the Prime Minister. And that's it. Cyprus and Cyprus. Um, which is very close to Cipero, which I would recommend. If you go to Greece, everyone goes thinks of Uzo. Ask for a Cipero instead. It's nice. like Uzo, but much better. How's it compared to a Negroni? Uh, it's it's equally as disgusting as a Negroni. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll tell you what. The most, now you mentioned it. One of the most disgusting things I've ever had. Grappa. Have you tried that from Italy? Yeah, that, that's a bit like. Um, is it, is it, it Italian? Is it not, not Greece? Greek? I think I think grappa is Italian. It is one of the most vile things you'll ever ever put in your mouth outside of a Negroni. Now, can I just point out this? Yeah. For the four years, approaching five years that we've been broadcasting uh, this show, we've said lots about rugby, and that gets no traction anymore because our Twitter feed is absolutely <laughs> rammed packed <laughs> with pictures of pictures of Negroni. Don't you know? Forget the fact that we've been talking about rugby solidly for nearly five years Negronis that, that's all that people care about it does show there was a lot of people watching the Champions Cup final with a Negroni so many people <laughs> I, 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 um, uh, I was chatting to a guy the other day he said he went to buy a Negroni but turned it down because it, it turned out there was Prosecco in his Negroni and therefore it wasn't a Negroni good, good on you yeah you've got to set, you've got to set standards yeah yeah uh, Right, so... um, uh, well, Can I I ask a question to start this podcast off? Yes, mate, you may ask a question. Well, actually, firstly, I'll ask a question. Where do you get the beautiful Egg Chasers jerseys from? Oh, what, this jersey I'm wearing now, this merino wool jersey? Yes. Uh, Well, this merino wool jersey in Egg egg Chasers stripes comes from Akuma Rugby Shops. So go to akumashops, A-K-U-M-A shops.com slash Egg Chasers. What was your second question, Tim? The second question is, well, firstly, can I apologise that I'm not there in person? It was a very impromptu and very random, but I've come to the home of shipping containers. Uh, <laughs> in the shipping container. But all I've seen is a picture of you in an unbelievable state at the end of 
a rugby club dinner. What the hell happened? Uh, nothing too unusual, mate. Uh, rugby clubs will be rugby clubs, and occasionally people get hit in the face. So uh, it was just another rugby club dinner. And if anyone's going to get hit in the face, I'm glad that person was you, Here, here. Well said. I, I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, um, I got hit in the face, right? Uh, because I said... Uh, the coaching of the Broughton Park ladies team wasn't very good, as a joke. Uh, and I would suggest that if you're raising your fists because someone said the coaching isn't very jo- very good, as a joke, you might have heard it before. So, uh, yeah. It, tu- it turns out, Tim, I got hit in the face because uh, an uncle of mine, who I don't really talk to, uh, fired a guy uh, who used to work for him. So I got hit in the face, not once, but twice. So twice by the same person? Same person, yeah. So uh, uh- first time... Just out of the blue. Second time, I was sitting down, and he hit me in the face again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, you know, I was, thinking, I was thinking about this. Men being hit in the face in uh, rugby end-of-club, you know, end-of-year club dinners. Not particularly unusual. So I've actually compiled a list of other times uh, things have happened in, 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 in club dinners. So I've seen multiple, multiple fights in club dinners, but this is the best one. In Colwyn Bay, about uh, over ten years ago now, we had a guy playing for us who played inside centre, and I kid you not, this was the guy who was on steroids before steroids were a big deal. <laughs> like, the guy was, he looked like a WWE wrestler, he looked fantastic. And this is like, it's quite common now, but this guy was absolutely enormous. So the gag was, they were going to handcuff him to our barmaid, Jill. So, <laughs> the guy's a bit of a hothead. So they handcuffed, they handcuffed, him, handcuffed him to Jill. And then uh, <laughs> one of the other lads, to complete the gag, then went outside to, to his work, work van and got a still saw out to cut through to cut through the um, things. But the obviously, handcuff. you're not going to use a still saw to cut through some handcuffs. Uh, unfortunately, the gag got escalated because our club captain got the key and then necked it with... The, <laughs> <laughs> the key? <laughs> the key with, with a shot of whiskey. So uh, this guy was handcuffed to our, our, our barmaid, Jill, the best part of three hours until they, you know, got the bravery up to use a still saw to, uh, to get those handcuffs. <laughs> by, which, by which time, they probably oh, no, no one will be sober enough to be using a still saw at that time. <laughs> three hours <laughs> well, into a club dinner, they weren't particularly so- sober when they actually first started it. But uh, the, you know, another nice detail of this is he tried to phone the fire brigade off the payphone, <laughs> and in response to phoning the fire brigade off the payphone, this is all at Col- Colm Bay Rugby Club, someone pulled the payphone off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old, good old club dinners. Club dinners always. Re- well, you've you've got another one next week, haven't you? Well, if I get hit at the Cell Sharks club dinner, I imagine I'll be in a lot worse way <laughs> than being hit by some loser. If you ruffle John Ross's feathers, I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Getting, getting his drink order off, or putting <laughs> prosecco in his Negroni. Oh, don't, don't dare! No, John is very keen so, on that. Um, hashtag on social media club dinner tales. Um, hashtag club dinner tales. Uh, I've got a story that's been uh, contacted us anonymously. Strictly, this has to be anonymous. Okay then. Um, the story goes like this: Following a successful, inevitably long and strenuous club dinner, our first team captain made his tired and emotional way home. On finding the door impossible to open, he took to throwing things at the window and shouting his wife to open the door. He was very colourful in the use of his language. Understandably, the neighbours preferred calling the police rather than go out and have a polite conversation with him. A night in the cells passed by, 
when he finally started thinking straight, he realised that after a couple of a couple of weeks earlier, he had moved house. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, we heard a. Uh, I, I don't know how much of this I can actually tell, but we heard a superb um, end of club dinner story last year about. I won't, I won't tell you how many years ago this was, but it involved an England player, uh-huh. uh, an England front row player, going absolutely berserk after numerous, oh, yes! numerous this is amazing. glasses of red wine and ports, and basically laying out half of the club <laughs> <laughs> before he got taken down by, I, I think, a, a series of armed police. Yeah. Um, so was it says there was a slip and slide? There was a slip and slide involved as well. Yeah, yeah. in the changing rooms. He, he must have been to some uh, some club dinners, cocker. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yes. Uh, the, I mean, there's no specific story. It's, it's just the overriding memory of rugby club dinners in the past are top shelf boots <laughs> with yeah. all manner of other other. Fluids in it, and um, and nakedness. Yeah, like, so much nakedness. Well, can I throw a little spanner into the works here? Because the club dinner that I went to uh, this weekend, right, had an extra element in, in it, which I don't really know what I think about. And uh, this element is is the ladies' team. Now, I don't want you to confuse what I'm about to say with this being anti ladies rugby, because I'm strictly not anti anti ladies rugby. But I would question. Is it a good idea in an environment full of testosterone fueled boozing men to have the ladies' rugby team? Same goes for, like, rug- like rugby tour. Is this, an, is this an appropriate place for a mixed event? Um, so, I think it should be. It, well, it's not whether it, it, it should be. I mean, yeah. it always should be. I mean, it should be okay to bring the under-12s there so they can see the senior <laughs> players receive, you know, receive their player of the year. But it's not, is it? Uh, yeah, maybe. There, there is a slight difference between the under twelves and the ladies' team. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, well, the guy. The guy... Well, when you used to have Sedgley Park Club dinners, did did wives and girlfriends go along as well? So we have had. I'm, I'm thinking back. There's been a mix. I remember. I distinctly remember going to a club dinner with my better half at one stage. What? Really? 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Never heard anything like it. But there were also plenty of boozy, debauchery-filled do's. Uh, oh, mate, the two aren't mutually exclusive. I think that's is what I kind of, in response to your, you're talking about the women's team, and uh, obviously there'll be people who would be shouting at the podcast saying, say women's, not ladies, JB. So anyway. Ladies, women's, um, whatever. <laughs> well, like, so, so, but, uh, so I'll, I'll just give you an example but, but why, never, right? I can... The wives and girlfriends. I've had massively boozy, ridiculous nights with just as much debauchery going on, even when the women are there. Well, so here's the thing. I can deal being hit in the face by a man, right? <laughs> that's, that's not really a problem. Happens, re- happens relatively frequently. But what nobody can deal with, right, are, like, drunken, drunken women shouting in your face, things like, uh, you know, well, you name the, name the expletive. I'm at a loss as to what do you actually do in this, in this scenario. 
I don't envy you being in that scenario. It's, it's like these, these horrible, cretinous things in, like, in your face, screaming. You're like, oh, my word, what you... It's just Im- immature nonsense. So, uh, yeah, I just think, like, maybe it's not the best scenario. I don't know. Did you just describe well, I... women's rugby players as no, horrible, no, no. cretinous things? No, 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 sorry, can I just be clear? The, the women here were shouting in, shouting in my face. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Individuals, I have, yes. I have nothing but respect for the ladies' game. Women's game, which is the right one. It's a broad, inclusive church where everyone except devout Christians can can come and join. <laughs> Strictly except for them. Strictly except for them. So, yeah, anyway, great phone at the Broad Pop Club. Then, if you've got any great club club dinner stories, we need to know about them. And go, yes, we go on Twitter at Ruby Podcast if you want to. Uh, no, at, at G Beardmore if you want to see some pictures of Jonathan. At the end of the night after that club dinner, sadly I've had to. Re- I was requested. <laughs> sadly, I was requested by the club involved, not not Disbury Talk H, because things like that do not happen at Disbury Talk H. <laughs> um, I was requested to take them down. Oh, have with, you? With the image of the club. So uh, I'll hap- I'll happily share them, but uh, maybe not on Twitter. Okay. Um, but so, you can D- can DM us uh, anonymously at Rugby Podcast. Yeah, if you DM us, slide into our DMs. If you DM us. I will reward you by sending the pictures of me with uh, with blood ev- everywhere, everywhere. Just just <laughs> speaking of DMs, that does lead us on to um, something else, a bit of an update regarding studio furniture. Oh yeah. Um, so Tim, obviously you're in Greece in the shipping container, but yes, one of the reasons that you were more eager to get to Greece than usual is the state of your chair. Your current chair. Yeah, well, I was boycotting the rugby. No, even if I was in the UK, I would not be there in person. (laughs) I'm boycotting the rugby dungeon. Well, we have had an update after after a conversation that we had on the pod a few weeks ago. Someone, and I won't say who until the the goods arrive, but someone, a company, slid into our DMs, and we have got a very very special chair winging its way to us. A chair that. I'm looking at pictures. Is it coming from overseas? It is coming from overseas. Wow. It, it could be on the same uh, ship that Tim's shipping container uh, lands in the UK at. It might not be, but it was shipping in from overseas. And I've got a picture here of some very special individuals signing said uh, piece of equipment, piece of furniture. Wow. 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 So look forward to that in, in a future pod coming soon. Um, I think we should talk about the only people in the UK who were more drunk on Friday uh, than the assailant that hit, hit, um, hit me in the face. <laughs> Saracens, congratulations, gentlemen. They weren't more drunk on Friday, they were more drunk oh, on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Saturday, <laughs> sorry. Saturday. If, they, if they played like that, having been more drunk on Friday, <laughs> that, would, that would be an incredible performance. Yeah, more, uh, more drunk and more, and more employed on uh, Saturday. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what an incredible achievement. What a game as well. Yeah. Um, I have got a lot of thoughts regarding this game. I'm going to spare you my thoughts. I, I, I want to hear what you thought. Tim, did you get to, were you in transit or did you get to watch it live? No. I, I, I travelled this morning, so I watched it, yeah. It was so intense. These are clearly the two best teams in <laughs> Europe. and Yes. That there, was, there is no debate about who the best team is. Saracens were immense. God, uh, it was phenomenal to watch. It was phenomenal to watch. And you know what, um, JB, you've made, you've made some 
bold predictions, and they've come off before. The Dan Bigger one during the Six Nations. Very bold. Um, very, very precise. You, you, you weren't entirely right in every prediction, but your, How? your well, the insistence Cup, yeah. on the... On the incredible uh, influence, because that man, what a difference. Yeah, Brad Barrett was simply sensational. Simply sensational. He was. And to do it, having hardly played in the last few months, um, was very... Was, and as an, as an, an injury question, I understand as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's hardly played for the last few months. He played part of the semi-final. I don't think he's really played since then. Um, I thought he was incredible. I... I think I wouldn't like to just single him out because I thought so yeah. many players, so many players on both teams were yeah. genuinely incredible. Um, yeah, I think I think I mean the the three central midfielders for Saracen, so Barrett, Lazowski, and Farrell. I thought their defence was amazing because yeah. they the three of them kind of controlled the the defensive shape bringing up the winger closing off space outside and bringing up the forwards inside them or interspersed in between them. I thought the three of them were, were superb. Yeah, I, I completely agree with your points on the defence. And I think the remarkable thing about Brad Barrett is he is remarkable without being remarkable. So there are some things that a player will do, like um, Billy Bonapola. He's remarkable because he does remarkable things. The thing about Brad Barrett is it's just the basics done over and over and over again. And can you imagine being the number two to Brad Barrett, thinking one day I'm going to get a shot, but then understanding what it is that you need to do, how many carries <laughs> you need to do, how many tackles you need to do, how much heart you need to have. You know, you need to be the ultimate warrior, not the wrestler, like literally <laughs> the ultimate warrior in order to... You know, win that position from Brad Barrett. It's almost impossible. It, he's. I'm going to go as far as say he's unique in what he can do. It's certainly, I think defensively, he's unique in what he can do. Yeah. I think of, offensively, there was a hint of the Jamie Roberts about him. Uh, yeah. Where he he continually looked for contact. He had, um, as it happens, 13 carries for 40 meters. Yeah. So. An average of three meters per per carry. I've heard that before somewhere. <laughs> uh, Three point zero one or something like that uh, meters per carry. Um, now, in a game like this, it does suit that approach. There was one time where Saracens got good in the first half. Saracens got good turnover ball about on the halfway line. They were they should have put two passes in. The first pass went to Brad Barrett, and Brad Barrett just put his head down. Yeah. He, he made five or six yards with that carry. But two hands to get someone like Good or Williams or Maitland on the ball, it, it would have been a, a, a even better positive outcome. So there's a slight caveat just on his offensive play, but defensively he is so key. And he, I, I defensively, everyone else around him better. But defensively as well, 28 tackles, zero missed. Uh, 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 Owen Farrell's like 18, 18 zero, zero missed. missed. Yeah, so which look is how good Owen Farrell is because Brad Barrett's there. Which <laughs> I mean, that, that's always been my point. Like Owen Farrell needs him. He was awesome at thirteen as well. Yeah, he's a very special player, and I, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to do going forward. Like, is he going to stay with reserve ten or work on being thirteen? Um, or play twelve maybe, or kind of utility. Yeah. And and he's hard. That's the other thing. Like everyone looks at him and they think, oh, he's small. No, he's fast and he's hard. He definitely is hard. Um, the the pack as well for Saracens. It was massive, and it was. Yeah. I felt like it was 
kind of an arm wrestle for the first half, like definitely the first half, and probably the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, it was an even arm wrestle. Um, it was then in the last kind of 20 minutes, and there was a period of, period of time just inside the second half, uh, the second half of the second half, so after about 60 minutes, where there was kind of three monstrous hits in a row from the Saracens team. Um, Lozowski put one on Conan, so a much bigger man, and Cruis put one on Johnny Sexton and absolutely wrapped him up, smashed him back five yards. And that was the, I think it was the time when the momentum had really kind of finally shifted and from that point, Saracens had it pretty much their all, all their own way for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. What amazed me about this game was the lack of space. It just felt there was no space anywhere. And the only way you could actually go forward was these horrible collisions over and over. That's why it's so, so attritional. And the lack of space was interesting because one, one of the things that was really obvious from that Leinster performance was how they struggled to break down the Saracens team. Now... Saracens did miss quite a lot of tackles, but they hardly ever conceded a clean break. Mm. There was it's, there's listed as two clean breaks. Oh my word! Really? In in that whole game, and I can think of the Rob Carney break. I can't really think of what the other one was. was maybe Alarma, where he half got through, but he never. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he never fully got through, and that was so Leinster were forced into playing in a restricted manner because of the Saracens' defensive swarm. So even though, you, if when they, when they press, even if one person misses a tackle, in, in missing that tackle, they'll slow the attacker down enough for the people around him to identify that he's slowed down and just swarm and, and smash them back. It, that was really, really impressive. And Leinster didn't, for the, Leinster didn't have the same destructive, destructive defence for the whole of the game. They did in that first half. I thought Leinster's defence was superb. I, I, you know, I thought they were just mir- both these teams. Their kicking strategy, their attacking strategy, their defence strategy. They have taken Northern Hemisphere style rugby, and this is the finest example of it. Yeah, I don't think you can beat either of these teams playing the way that they do. They have, they've taken what you know, basically what they've distilled into the essence of rugby as far as it can poss- possibly go. If you want to beat one of these two teams next year, you're going to have to approach it completely differently. Like a Toulouse-type exactly. performance against Leinster earlier in the in the year? Yeah, I, that's the only way I could think of how would I go about setting up a team to beat one of these two. And it'd be something like... I think if you, if you think about looking ahead to the Premiership and Exeter, you could actually say, because Exeter can challenge Saracens, but they play actually in a very similar way. It's Attacking-wise, it's bludgeoning power but with some stardust in the backfield and up front or on defensively just incredibly physical it's all collision based the way Exeter play as well so I think you're probably right JB yeah yeah you're gonna have to look at a team like uh, I'll give you one at random Sale um, <laughs> like, totally at random yeah just throw it through a yeah. Threw a dart at a dartboard there and it came up sale. That's how, that's, that's how, that's how it goes down in the dungeon. Um, like, for them to beat the Saracens, their recruitment would have to be so incredibly strong. Like, you would need... I mean, I just can't think about how much money you would need to spend in order to get a, a, a squad from scratch to beat Saracens. It's going to be... The next team to beat Saracens is going to be someone who not only recruits well, but has an amazing crop 
of youngsters and it's not going to be for a while so it's interesting because teams like Sale or Harlequins or Northampton maybe not Northampton or Exeter or Gloucester Northampton could, could be the ones well the teams like that who have beaten uh, the reason I say not Northampton because every time they've played say, uh, Saracens recently have been smashed but teams like that can beat them in one-off games particularly in the Premiership where, uh, particularly if Saracens don't have a full-strength squad if you've got guys away with England if you've got injuries or if they've just been building up to or coming down from a big European match but in these big European matches which Saracens have been so phenomenally effective at this year they've not lost I know that they didn't get um, to the final last year but the two preceding years they won I think they lost one game in the, the two preceding years so in those big games, you you are absolutely right. It, it would take a very special performance from a team to beat Saracens. The team or that Leinster, I, frankly, I, and uh, agreed, and Leinster. And the teams that I can think, the ones that have got the right kind of the requisite balance of the star power, the the recruitment. So Toulouse are up there. They mm-hmm. they are the only other team to beat Leinster this year. I think Claremont have got a shot, uh, and I think Rassing, Rassing yeah. on their day. Now, on their day, because I think Racing, from from watching them against Toulouse um, earlier in the year, when Toulouse were down a man, I think Racing's structures and kind of the the um, what would I say the blueprint for the way they play isn't as well defined as Leinster and Saracens, or as well defined as Toulouse. Yeah. They're a bit more kind of their identity is not as clear as those other teams, but on their day they've got. Phenomenal talent. Can I have a shout for um, just because you know? Yes, Saracens have phenomenal players, but they've got a bunch of guys who won't get an international cap. Jackson Ray, but are absolutely incredible. Jackson Ray was amazing, Jackson. and also Richard Barrington, Barry, I was a guy say, they signed from Jersey. He, uh, he was in the championship. Came on after 29 minutes, and that was... He was immense. That could have been a real turning point. Your your two starting props, who had done very well up to that point, they both go off at the same time. You've got a five-metre scrum. I I know they they did concede very shortly after that, but that really could have been a complete momentum shift. But the way that Cock and uh, Barrington came in... It, it wasn't at all. It didn't change anything. I mean, you would throw someone well, like Lamas and Sally into level that list as well. Well, uh, yeah, he's um, not necessarily the star name. He's international captain, isn't he? For America, America. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who thought he could be that good? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting now because America are going to have one of the best tight heads in the world and one of the best tens in the world, so they're going places. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, in terms of the game. It was really interesting. So Leinster went 10-0 up, uh, and they had a lot of momentum behind them when they went 10-0 up. Saracens had Itoje in the bin. Uh-huh. And the, the build-up to that point, everything up to that point where Furlong scored after about half an hour, everything up to that point I thought was really, really interesting. So Saracens probably had the better of the opportunities up to that point, but a combination of some brilliant defensive work by Leinster... Some brilliant turnovers by Healy, by Fardy. Fardy, who I thought was superb, who, who we, we failed to mention when we were discussing the, discussing the teams last week. Um, yeah. So there were some brilliant interventions by Leinster. Um, there, there was a, a tackle. Has the levels just changed? Yes. Okay. 
there was a tackle, a superb tackle uh, covering by Luke McGrath on Alex Good. So those kind of defensive interventions combined with some Saracens, they, they were un-Saracens-like errors. So a very good example is Saracens in the f- first 15 minutes, they've carried for 15 phases or something like that. They've made 50 yards up the pitch. They're 10 yards out and Owen Fowler runs a hard line. Ben Spencer tries to miss him out and there's just a, a kind of mistimed miscommunication between the two of them. The ball bounces off Faz's chest. Leinster can clear their lines. So that, that combination of things led to Saracens being completely frustrated up to half an hour. Then when things start going Leinster's way, when Carney makes that break that led up to the try... I thought it was really, really interesting because before Itoji got yellow carded, there were probably three, at least two, probably three other yellow cardable offences by Saracens. And it almost looked as if so Maitland was lying on the ball, Faz was lying on the ball, Barrett was lying on the ball. And it almost looked as if they were more eager to concede the yellow card than they were a try. And I thought that was... Whether it was me reading more than reading into it, like over reading into it and uh, misinterpreting their actions, but they they were clearly lying on the wrong side, and Itoji was clearly offside a couple of times, so they were almost baiting the yellow card, and then when they did get the yellow card, they conceded immediately after, but then fourteen against fifteen, they controlled the game, and it was. A- they had all the possession, they got three points, and it was only 30 seconds after Itoji finally got back on that they scored. They scored the try. It did feel like, after the yellow card, I know exactly what you mean, after like half an hour, it felt like they did... We used to talk about Saracens being the Borg. Yeah. It felt like they did a full system re- reboot and, yeah. and, you know, just re sorted out their mainframe and just kicked into <laughs> gear because you're exactly right. And their ability, and I, I, I think that's a really interesting point, Phil, because I noticed that as well, but I didn't think that it was conscious, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a conscious decision to slow the ball down at any cost. This is, And whether that was spoken or just non-verbal, I, I would probably think with the cohesion of this team, this was their, what, fourth final in, uh, third, sorry, third, third win in four years. Yeah. You probably... It probably is unspoken at this stage. They just understand what to do at certain points in the game. That's a really good point. I think you're probably right. And and as you say, the way the way they took it to half time. I mean, what firstly, what's Luke McGrath doing not kicking into touch? That that is yeah, scrum half in that position. You have to know exactly what time it is on the clock to to the second. Wait, we okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly to the second what time it is. And that box kick he put in was three or four seconds past 40. So he was well within his right, fully in control of closing out that game, putting the ball straight out from there. And unfortunately for him, he put in what was a decent box kick, but well taken. I think it was it Faz that took that box kick. Um, Yeah, I think so. And then... Leinster give away a penalty. Faz goes long, really long. Kind of gambled a little bit with that um, that touch finder. Did a Henry Slade of a touch finder. Gets from his own kind of 10 metre line well into Leinster's 22. And the way that they closed out and the, the 
the magnificent bit of skill, that that handling bit of skill from Faz to put Maitland in was superb. I'm going to mention something else which I think about this game as well, which is, because of the defensive pressure, did it strike you as these two fly halves, which are lauded as two of the best in the world, and indeed they are, they didn't get to show off their wares in the traditional way that a fly half would do? So, yes, I think so. And I, th- I think I think Faz had a slightly better game. Mm. Um, I think he created a bit more outside him. Um, but you, you are right, they, they didn't. But that is often the way of so, finals. Yeah. Like, um, last year's final, no try scored. Well, this is where I'm going with yeah, it, which uh, is... Well, yeah, but, but I, I, would, I would sort of jump in and say it's actually not about the overall game, it's about the key moments in the game. And Farrell picked his moments... Unbelievably well. Although, I thought he was magnificent. There's other things as well, like you know, being able to do very basic things in extraordinarily hard conditions is extraordinary. Right? That's not my point. Yeah. My point is this, which is if your world class fly half, who you spend a lot of your salary cap, is under a lot of pressure, it's probably worth investing a little bit more in scrum halves because they don't suffer the same sort of pressure, and that they are now looking because of the pressure on the fly half, like the, not only the main distributor. From from the base, because a lot of the attacks now are coming straight off the fly, uh, off the scrum off. I think uh, one of Ben Spencer's uh, passes, he misses the first two runners, like hits a third runner. Also, the fly halves aren't able to kick as much, so they're, so they're more responsible for box kicking. I think if the game is going to continue to go in this way, in these incredible with these incredibly high pressure defences, scrum offs are going to be needing to get a bit more cash, and they're going to be, become a lot more important. Well, scrum halves and the, these I, I did think both uh, McGrath and Spencer they both had brilliant moments in the game the, mm. the tackle I mentioned before by McGrath on Good was superb yeah. by the way if but, Spencer's not the best scrum half in England right now uh, I'm, I'm at a loss to explain that well, well both the pressure did get to them at times there was a few wayward passes by both of them and some of the box kicking we just we mentioned the, the McGrath box kick error not to put it out but there were a few box kicks from both of them that were not not quite right, either too short and it only goes five metres or way too long and you put and, no pressure on the receiver. But so accurate now because... You do. You, have you, to. you know, Saracen's back line is chasing, they're trying to knock it back and actually Leinster have seen that. That's the other thing as well. These teams are so well prepared for each other. Uh, yeah, they're so well... They, like, they've got so much game tape. And the, the players... We were saying it the other day, um, last week, about how important Brad Barrett will be because of how much game tape he's got on Johnny Sexton. Yes. And you put someone else in that position. If you put Nick Tompkins, for example, uh, in that position, he's only played against Sexton a couple of times. So he won't know. But these two teams and the players... So Furlong and Mako, they know each other inside out. Um Toner and Itoji, they yeah. know each other inside out. I do wonder, I mean, just a tale of two coaches here. You know, when Lancaster sits down with his Leinster team and he, he gets all the plaudits now, doesn't he, because, well, he just does now. Um, when he watches Bar- Bar- Barrett, does he still look at him and go, that guy playing 12, I could do with him at 13 next to Sam Burgess. <laughs> it, it just makes it even more insane than it already was. <laughs> and then Eddie Jones watching this game, because I assume he watched it. Does he look at that and think, that's not the guy, for, that's not the leader that I need in a World Cup. But Tim Cocker. Oh, yeah, yeah. What What about Eddie Jones looking at Alex Good? Nah. <sighs> European Player of the Year? Nah. Premiership Player of the Year? Nah, I don't need either of them. 
It's yeah. insane, isn't it? It's insane. This is going to come back to bite him big time. It it is because I, I was watching this game thinking, as I mentioned before about the kind of the weak point offensively of Brad Barrett it is his ability to distribute. Yeah, but if you put as um, Eddie Jones has repeatedly done to Alagi or Benteo, you're not exactly gaining a distributing twelve. No, and actually, compared I to him. that either because. People that have played with Brad Barrett in the past as coaches and whatnot I actually think of him as quite a good distributor. From, from what I've seen in recent years, he is more of a Jamie Roberts type, head oh, down. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, he is very good at that too. But he, he you know, he's not just that blunt instrument, although he is a very, <laughs> good, very good blunt instrument. He's a brilliant blunt instrument. Yeah. Um, two other points I wanted to mention. Please. Two, two other kind of turning points of this game. Both happened inside Saracens 22. And if they'd gone slightly differently, if a slightly different decision had been made um, and for both of them... Is one of them ring rows? So one of them is ring rows. Okay. Th- that oh, ri- what was he doing? That ring rows. So What was he doing? Do you know... I've, I've watched, I watched this back this morning. I watched the full game back this morning. And that was a, it was a five on two outside him. I've he, seen, he, okay, so I've seen the still of this. And it looks pretty incriminating. It, I've seen it in real time, and you might say, yeah, that's pretty bad. Here's what I'm going to counter with on that, which is I think Leicester and Saracens, the same way that Brad Barrett put his, put his head down for that turnover ball, they decided this is a strategy we're going to use to beat this team, and we're not going to take unnecessary risks. I also think, even though it's a 5-on-2, it's a 5-on-2, and they're fairly close to the touchline, I honestly believe that the Saracens' defence would have got across. They're not fairly close to... He, he's midfield. I'll just get the... Um, I'll, I'll get the still up. I was looking at that, I thought, well, that's he, not impossible. The right-hand post. Yeah, they're, they're, he's right in the middle of the park. Hang on a second. There, there's no way to even... So, even if their strategy was to keep it simple, you cannot keep it simple at all times. That that was definitely, definitely the wrong option. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to say I'm not... It, Have you got the still? Yes, it's not in the middle of the park either. It's, oh, sorry. I mean, you mean as in not at the halfway line? I'm saying. Yeah, it's not at the halfway yeah. line. It's it's just to the right hand side of the post. So if he gives that, I actually think that if you look at those three players on his outside, they can shut. One of them can deal with ring rows, and the others are getting across that field. There, I, I believe there's nowhere near enough space for Saracens to, to stop that. It just takes simple hands. Well, I mean, they are like 10 yards... So They're 10 yards out from the try line. So his first supporting player is five yards away. He can give that ball, right? The other three are behind the 22. By the time that that ball gets there, the Sa- I think Saracens will, will have been able to snuff it out. <laughs> that is a remarkable opinion, JB. Is it, uh, so it that's, isn't. Because, like, it's a, it's a three on five there, right? Yeah. But No, the thir- two. Like, the two. So, so Ring Rose has drawn the first man. So there's two no, no, defenders Ring outside Rose, him. The inside guy is now pushing towards Ring Rose. The, the outside guy... Yeah, and, and that's so, that, so Ring Rose in that picture has already run 10 metres. So he's already drifted and eaten up a load of space. All he needed to do is straighten, fix that man. Hands. Uh, and you, you've got... if, he, if he can fix that man. <laughs> if he can. Uh, I actually think that Saracens would have been OK there. Even, I, I, even if he'd have passed it. I, I think they're fine. I think that is a crazy opinion. But uh, you're, you are entitled to your opinion. Um, the other moment, again inside Saracens 22, was the read Liam. of Liam Williams. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was a penalty. 
the defensive read. Yeah, did you think that? So, compared to some of the jackals and turnovers, no. He did put his hands on the ground for a second. Did he release the tackler? Uh, tackler? Yeah, I think he did. Because he steps over. It's credit. As you say, an unbelievable read because he had a three on. He was th- stuck three on one yeah. and stepped in and took man and ball. The read is incredible. In itself, even if he didn't get the penalty, was immense. Yeah, the read in the first instance was immense because if he if he reacts half a second slower, the ball goes out to the outside man. He's got to react and take man and ball, which he like, did. I also think there is a decision making thing there for Leinster, which is. If you're, you should be reading Liam, Re- Liam Williams making his read <laughs> and just bluffing it over. But so, no, it was so a your, remarkable bit of play. So I, your do, pr- I do question the jackal. So the, the praise that I was uh, putting on uh, Williams and the blame I was putting on Ringrose, ro- you're blaming Williams and praising Ringrose. Uh, I am doing neither. <laughs> I'm, doing no, I'm saying that I'm saying that Ringrose is not cut and dry. It definitely looks it's, like something could, could happen there. And the Liam Williams one, I mean, it's it was brilliant because he makes the read and then he gambles and he gets away with that gamble. And if he doesn't, it's a stupid bit of play. Yeah. yeah and in my mind, he was he's a bit lucky there. I've, I've seen those go against them. <laughs> You've got uh, interesting opinions on those you, two things. So he, he's made the tackle. Yeah. Okay. Gets to his feet. Gets re- releases well, the defender. So I don't think he completely lets go of him. I think he's using the the body of that player after he's made the tackle to then lift himself up. He hasn't completely released, and then he's scooping the ball back. That is very close to a penalty. Uh, and you would see some referees give it as a penalty. He knows the way that Jerome Gar says referees the breakdown. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very good from from Liam Williams. Uh, yeah, it, look, he won. You know, so it was, so it was brilliant. And can, can <laughs> I, just while we're on that, can I nip in the bud the incredible amount of whinging that happened on Twitter from people complaining about a couple of decisions? Go on. All right. That one, that was one of them. The uh, the Maitland slash Itoji tackle on Carney. Carney, was it? Carney, yeah. Didn't see that one. Um, just, just, just get over it. Move along. Nothing to see here. Gar says was fine. I thought he actually had a decent game. Yeah, I thought he was alright. I thought. I think there was a few. There's a few breakdowns that he let the Jackler get away with it where Jacklers were not supporting their body weight or latched onto the player not the ball but he was at least consistent in doing that I think he, he refed it equally for both teams alright I'm going to move this, I'm going to move this on a bit still still linked we're going to move, move on obviously this weekend was a phenomenal event but do you think the European Cup is valuable to the teams that, in, re- you know, in reality, don't have a chance of winning it. And what I mean, for instance, teams four, five, and six in the Premiership, same, same for the, or four, five, six, and seven, potentially. So, uh, in re- so in retrospect, do you think Newcastle would have been better just to have put out a second string and focused on the Premiership, for example? Yeah, that's exactly what exactly what I'm saying. So, I think Newcastle. If they had had their time again, and if in future years they do get their time again, if they find themselves with a similarly similar squad and similar squad depth, I think they will do that. Yeah. I, I think other teams have, have made that kind of error before. I mean, if you think about it another way, right? It's kind of like 
the third place team in the championship being lumped into a competition which we've got group stages in with teams from teams from the Premiership. That's the the, the standard difference between where Saracens and Leinster are, and perhaps where Wasps are or Sale are or. You know, uh, like Newcastle. New, Newcastle. I mean, yeah, Newcastle. I mean, they actually did remarkably well. Uh, they did to beat Toulon and Montpellier. Yeah, is but, no mean feat. Yeah, you know, so it makes you wonder. You know, with all these, you know, let's fight for, fight for the top six. How much do these teams really want top six? I'm not sure that I'd, I'd want. And you've also got the hardest games to start with. I assume there is a enhanced revenue split. From European Champions Cup compared to Challenge Cup. Yeah, um, well, there might be, right? But that's sort of a moot point, isn't it? Because if everyone's spending up to the, to the salary cap, it's not like I've got fifteen percent <laughs> extra cash now, and I can increase the well, players I've got. Hire a half a dozen additional data analysts, ah. or a better strength and conditioning coach. I'll tell you what I've got. I'll tell you what I've got that relates to the Champions Cup final. Very quick, rugby social. Oh, amazing! Perfect. So I've been uh, having a little look at what's been going on on social media over the last 24 hours, and I have some questions based on it. So, first question, what special role did man of the match George Cruz have the morning after the game? Was it hotel porter packing everyone's bags? Was it bus tour guide entertaining Saracens on the way to the airport? Or was it an air hostess doing the safety (laughs) announcement on the plane? Ooh. I'm going to go with C. Phil? Uh, give me B, the bus tour guide. Okay, JB has a point. Of course I do. Very, I think it was on Chickie Zeke's Instagram page. By the way, he had a great game when he came on as well. Um, he did. And, and George Cruz had the hat on and was in the aisle with the life jacket on doing all the whistle, torch, exits and stuff. It's very funny. Could he stand up? Next <laughs> yeah, you stood up in the air on, on, on the plane. But, but can, can he stand fully up? Uh, he, had to, he had to stoop a little bit. Ah, uh, right, okay. Uh, next question. Okay. Maruitoji, uh, after getting back home after a very, very long night, Maruitoji dropped Mako Vanapola off at his house. What radio station did Maruitoji have on in the car? Was it Radio 4, Capital Extra? Or Virgin Radio. Oh, I am. I, I am, think I know where I'm going with this one. I am going to go for Virgin Radio. I wanted to go with the Tim Cocker Show, Virgin Radio, um, <laughs> but I can't because Phil has. Uh, is it Radio Four? Because in case you haven't heard, he did philosophy at Harrow. You're both wrong. It was Capital Extra. Uh, the worst of all that was, a pretty, that was a very stupid way for me to get a little plug in for uh... <laughs> what, the, what, what is your show called Tim is it the, the Tim uh, time with Tim yes quite uh, next question <laughs> <laughs> uh, Baz, Baz Barrington had a, led a sing song in the dressing room after the game oh, no. which song which song didn't he feature in his karaoke remix. Was it Wham, Careless Whisper, The Beatles, Hey Jude, mm-hmm. or Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline? Um, hmm. Sweet Caroline. I'll go with Hey Jude. JB gets another point. Oh, I know this he stuff, he didn't include Sweet Caroline, but that was the song that was playing... 
just after they lifted the trophy. Oh. And, uh, and one, one final very quick one separately from this is nothing to do with Saracens, but I just noticed Henry Slade's uh, Instagram account and uh, he was a spectator of which sport earlier today? Was it darts, lawn bowls or polo? Oh, he's got the look of a, a polo, the kind of guy that would hang out at a polo club. Give me polo. Uh, I'm going with not that one. Give me the second option. Lawn. That's the one. JB has a clean sweep. Three yes. points. So, JB, congratulations. You know a lot about social media, even if you think a professional rugby team can't finish a five-on-two from ten yards out. Well, that's... Uh... That's why I'm hoping you're not. <laughs> um, right, we've got some very, very exci- uh, exciting stuff coming up, including hashtag JB2020, which is incredibly exciting, but not quite as exciting as the feeling of a fresh new shave. And you can get that with Cornerstone. Uh, they have been with us since the start. They keep the ship afloat here. They keep the wind, wind in our sails, the electricity in our lights. So if you like a nice, clean shave, if you want razors delivered directly to your door, you go on to... Uh, I think it's cornerstone forward slash egg chasers. That is our landing page, and you know, get some great razors and uh, keep 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 the egg chasers pro- keep the egg chasers project alive. Uh, Cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg chasers. Ah, and most point, because it's not just about keeping the airship afloat. It's about giving yourself an incredible shave with your cornerstone razors that you get in a pack of six with your free engraved shaft sent to you for just four quid. Uh, well, less than a pint. Less than a pint. Exactly. I tell you what, I would. <laughs> I um, would. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's JB, and this is the official launch of JB Twenty Twenty. Uh, now, in case you don't know about what JB Twenty Twenty is. It was all from last week when me, Tim and Phil decided to talk about the RFU Council. And Tim, you informed me, did you not, that it is possible to get elected to the RFU Council. Is is, is that correct? Correct. As I said, these are positions which are voted in by the clubs within the, the, the 55 counties in the English Rugby Union. So, anyway, I've been looking at, um, at who represents us. And we, in Lancashire... I've got two representatives. One uh, has been there... Well, by the way, you can only go on for nine, nine years. One's been on to 2004. And the other one, these only three-year terms, was voted in in 20, 2018. Sorry, so, 2017. So, just to clarify the points you're making, you can have a maximum of nine years serving following... Uh, there was a special general meeting in 2017, which uh-huh. brought that in. But you are elected in three-year terms, so you can have a maximum of three three-year terms now. Ah, oh, from now? Uh, from 2017 when it was voted in, or 2018. So, so the gentleman that's been on the council since 2004 so, has nine years from 2017? No, I would have thought that the next time his term elapses, so if he was last voted in in 2018 to 2021... When his term elapses in 2021, he would not be able to stand again. Ah, so... That's my, that's my reading of the situation. It turns out that our council member in Lancashire 
is up for re-election in 2020. So it actually works out. It actually works out. So you could, if you get the requisite uh, members to vote you in, to propose you, you could actually stand. Well, I have, I have, I have some news. So, well, yeah, why complain? So the point is, why complain about the 55 old farts when we could have one of the 55 old farts? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I joke saying... I'd love the expenses. Of course I would. But, you know, <laughs> if, if, if the platform that I need to stand on is I'll only go to three internationals rather than all five o- over the Six Nations, so be it. <laughs> you know, so, you'll, so what? You'll stay in the Hilton rather than the Intercontinental. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the hardship. I'll have, I'll have two nights away rather than three. Cut, we'll cut. draw the line at Britannia, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, we will absolutely draw, draw the line there. So, anyway, here's some news. Uh, I've been proposed... And have I, you actually? Because so, if it's in twenty twenty, well, have you read the rules? I have. Okay, so I have got a club to propose me, and I have a club to second me. Yes. So, so me reading the timeline, you do need that. You need a member. So, you need two of the Lancashire uh, council body clubs, of which Tockeach and Broughton Park yep. are are two. Um, you would need them to propose and second you. Now, the timeline for this, my understanding of the timeline, if it is correct that someone's term ends in 2020, the timeline for this would be at the start of the season, you would, um, the Lancashire body would have to make its members aware that they were going to be holding elections later that year. You would have until March to get your proposed and seconder, and then voting would happen shortly after that. So your kind of period for campaigning exactly. would be from the start of the season, so August, September of this year through to March of next year. Which is so cool. I'm going to say one thing on this, I'm going to say two things on this, JB, actually. Firstly, this should not be exclusive to just us, as in JB 2020. I want to encourage as many Egg Chasers listeners as possible to put themselves up for election and we will do our bit to try and campaign on your behalf as well so if you want to think of it like a a a parliamentary party you're part of the egg you're part you're part of the egg chasers party wider party but elsewhere in the country yeah interesting i mean i'm not sure i'm keen on it because it makes me less special but okay (laughs) okay we'll go with it i will allow podcast time to assist this effort to get one of our own old farts (laughs) <laughs> so long as so long as there is an understanding of how your plus ones when you go to your Negroni parties in Rome and Paris, when there's an understanding of how your plus ones work and that will include at various points Phil or myself. Well, it stands to reason I should put I should table a vote as my as my first thing when I get there. Table a vote to get a plus two, because I can't I can't decide, you know, I can't make a choice between one you know, one of you, can I? You've got three years. You've got three years of these. True, true, true. Um, so it looks like I'm going to have to put together a manifesto of some sort and a CV. Is it? Um, it... Let, let me do the spelling and the writing of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you do need both your CV and manifesto by early March, according to this timetable. Easy. Now, probably the more important thing is... You could get the proposer on the seconder, but there are between 40 and 50 um, council body recognised voting clubs in Lancashire. There is. It's a huge, huge area. It is. It's a big old area. 
you would need to get um, a significant proportion of them on side, which would probably be the most challenging thing. Why? Charismatic. Um, you can be charismatic. You can also be difficult, belligerent, argumentative. And who who do you want fighting your corner other than that, <laughs> other than that guy? I, I, what a I, mix! The, what a range! The Lagan family know all about campaigning, and we can do this. We can knock on doors. We can we can t- we can convince people with ideas. We can do this. Yes. So I guess what we need is a is a manifesto launch, Tim. We we need a big hard start on this. We can't like just have it just limp into action. It needs a big flourish, a big starting point. And Phil, you mentioned the start of the season, didn't you? It does. It it ties into the start of the season. Is the timeline for this? So, I th- what we've penciled in is a launch party slash rugby World Cup preview slash egg chasers Negroni party. For early September. That's right. Uh, do we have, do we have a venue for said party, Tim? Well, seeing as we want you to be one of the RFU old farts, we have secured, we believe, a venue. JB, can, can it hold um, many people? Hundred. Uh, well, if I said the venue was Twickenham, more than a hundred. <laughs> Slightly more than a hundred. I think Twickenham might might do. Let's go to the very. Let's go to the place where you're gonna where this journey is gonna end. <laughs> Start and end, acrimoniously yeah. probably. <laughs> um, dates. Listen out very soon for specific information. It's early September. I believe it may well be Saturday the seventh, but. This will be a World Cup preview party, Egg Chasers Negroni party. With a Negroni JB party. Perfect. Launch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, JB2020 launch on at Twickenham. We didn't do, because of Phil's inconsiderate timing of the birth of his uh, firstborn, Thomas, young Thomas, uh, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a tier two tour. We want to make up for it in style, and Hang this on. is our effort. So very soon we will be bringing you more information on this. We want you to be part of it. And, of course, the irony is not going to be lost, is it, the fact that uh, now, we're, now we're going to put someone forward, to, forward for RFU Council. We've ditched the Tier 2 tour in favour for the ultimate w- Tier 1 tour, the headquarters of the richest union in the world. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Straight to the top, JB. Straight to the top, yeah. <laughs> why, uh, why mess about? <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, so we've, we've, we've got some news other than the fact that I'm going to be a future RFU councilman. <laughs> uh, would you like to know some other news? Yes, please. Well, here's something from, from The Telegraph. Uh, that Also, a lot of people I've been speaking to recently are backing this up. It sounds a little bit like um, the Premiership's going to expand to 13 teams. So I've not actually read anything saying this. Hmm. So, so, so what's your source? So, uh, well, te- uh, Telegraph and uh, other people. Um, so a call, uh, apparently what the situation is, is ne- there will still be relegation li- this year. Next year, whoever gets promoted will stay promoted. And then following on from that, the way teams get promoted or relegated will be a playoff between the top and the bottom teams in the two leagues. So I don't mean Saracens and uh, like London Scottish. What I mean is, for instance, uh, Newcastle and London Irish. Yeah. So that's, that's quite exciting. So I don't mind that. So 13 teams. We've seen... Um, well, we've seen the... The conferences of seven working quite well in Pro 14. Yeah. And the 13 teams, to give teams kind of a mandated or just an automatic rest week every, well, twice a season, is not necessarily a bad thing. No, I don't disagree. Look, obviously having 13 teams in there, you're going to have to get another game. Um, I don't know. Does it change massively if you've got 14 teams? Uh, it'd It'd be the two other games. But because of the rest week, yeah. you're going to have... But the, the length of season stays the same, right? Uh, well, no. 13 to 14 is the same, but it's more than 12. It's an extra yes. two weeks yeah, compared yeah. to 12. So you have more games, but the length of season stays the same. Uh, well, only 13 to 14. So going from 12 to 13, you do increase the length of the season. You need two extra game weeks. Ah, right. So really. you'd have to get rid of Premiership Cup. Or do something completely different with well, Premiership Cup. Or play pre- more when there's internationals. Well, look, the Premiership Cup is not exactly valuable. You know, I would say if the Premiership Cup was a classic cup competition with like championship teams playing, and you know maybe you know Preston Grasshoppers could get to to the final through some convoluted convoluted route, I'd be into it. But I just don't see the point in just watching an academy competition. We've got the A League for that. I, I think that's missing the kind of point. I kind of I understand what you're saying with the with the cup competition. I'd like to see championship involved in that and A teams if you were going to do it the way they're doing it. But I think you're missing missing the bigger point here, Please. which is the lesson of the past is that you cannot expect you cannot expect teams to. Um, Sorry, it's just some people who come home. Um, you cannot expect <laughs> who's come home, Tim. You cannot expect people to, people to only win their promotion in June, as it would be, and then compete come September. And that 
that's that's failed before, and the new format with that seeing Bristol and London Irish being able to prepare themselves is the only way that you can do it. This is basically ring fencing a sham by another name. Ooh, strong fighting words from Cocker. <laughs> oh, it, 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 there's no there's no other explanation. This isn't an attempt to actually have promotion and relegation. You know what? You, you you have got a point because. Unless you are London Irish and you've signed Curtis Rona this year and you know all his mates, um, you're not winning that playoff game. And if you do win it, you're in exactly the same situation as London Welsh were. So yeah, if there was a this is this it's a sham. This is it's a stitch up. But it might as well just be. It's a little bit like the Remain voting parties. If Ooh. they just came out and said if. If they came out and said we just want to stay, we just want to stay in the EU, but we, but they all they haven't got the guts to revoke Article Fifty. They're trying to do it in some sort of slimy backdoor way. It's the same. If the RFU just all these people came out and said um, we 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 don't want to have, we want to have the thirteen teams in, and we don't, and we want to shut the door, then at least they're being honest. But it, it sounds from what you're saying like. That's the that's in effect what they want to do, but they don't want to admit to wanting to I do that. I think you're nearly there, but not quite. Nearly there. I don't think they care if people come up or down. I don't think they care. Well, they kind of do. They basically want a ring fence, yet they still want to keep the excitement of relegation. I think that's that's more but, to the point. But they and, only want a ring fence when it's when it's if if it happened to fall that London Irish or Newcastle would be in the championship. When when they shut the door, they wouldn't do it. They're only doing it because of the thirteen teams that will be in it, which I understand. I get it, but I, I, I I'm very dubious over the how honest this is being. Uh, would you be happy if they just said, "Look, this is a sham"? Well, I, 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 well, I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily be happy, but at least it would it would I would feel it was being honest. Um. I think that there is a good argument for ring fencing, but every time I... Th- you know, Ring fencing is a good argument when you're just thinking logically. But when it comes to the end of the season and it's Newcastle-Leicester in you know, the fight, you know, a fight for their lives, a fight for careers, effectively, you can't really say you want to replace relegation because it's been awesome. But actually, from a yeah. pure sporting and fairness point of view, I kind of think, well... Mm, Maybe you should. And I also don't think it's fair to say you've got a salary cap and also you can get relegated. Yeah, I'm, I can see the merits on both sides, surprisingly. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see massive benefits, not just for, for um, the teams, but actually for England as well, if you ring fence. Because you, you can, there is more emphasis on building academies. Do you know? And uh, yeah. Well, yes. I, I, do you know what? And actually playing those academy players rather than just bringing in a load of Saffers. Well, relegation uh, or, is... Or Waratahs, as London Irish should do. <laughs> yeah. Relegation has also highlighted the absolute ludicrous nature of England's selection policy. Because you've got Leicester Tigers, and actually what they're talking about now is, hang on, technically, England might be forced to pick players from outside the Premiership. Um so, like, maybe relegation is a good thing because it sort of highlights maybe these aren't the best players. Maybe you need to be picking from Exeter rather than Leicester. Um, yeah, although it really forces their hand, too. There there are probably one or two that even if Leicester got relegated, there's still one or two players that I would like in the England squad. Johnny May? Uh, no, do you know George what? Ford. No, Johnny May is great, okay? But if his team got relegated, I'm... 
I'd be happy for England to go forward without him. He doesn't deserve to be there as a whole. He he can move clubs, of course. But you know, rules are rules, and uh, that will be that. But there are no rules to prevent you from picking. Uh, Chris Pennell was in at least one England. Camp you know what? That is were in the championship. That's a story that breaks breaks my heart. Like Chris Pennell. Chris Pennell was in was in the squad. I have no doubt he would have picked up more England caps if he wasn't as loyal and as and as decent as he is. He got. He is. I, I'm absolutely certain. I'm getting this right. He has got the fewest minutes of a capped England player ever. Is that right? Because he played one minute on his one cap. Wow. Oh, that's, on, really, that's a great stat. He came on in the 79th minute. I think he was in the tour to New Zealand. Did he score? I, I don't think so. I feel like he might have scored. That would be... Imagine, imagine if he'd played 80 minutes. If he well, plays one minute and scores one try. Exactly, exactly what I said in the Lancashire Cup final when uh, <laughs> I came on for one minute and scored one try. How, <laughs> just going back to this... Again, this rumoured potential solution i can see merits much like phil i can see the merits of having this ring fencing by another name uh, but uh, like just let's just consider any team can beat any team on any given day so if the playoff was a one-off match presumably they're gonna they're gonna stitch it up so it would be at the premiership club's ground um or well, maybe they'll do legs. it over two legs but let's just say for argument's sake a, a championship team did manage to beat a premiership side on a on, on a one-off then they've got, as I say, this wouldn't be able to take place until June, the the, the yeah, end yeah. of May, beginning of June. What what the hell can that team do? It's not much, mate. I, not I, much. I, you have to approach ridiculous. it like Bristol. I mean, it's Bristol. ridiculous. Yeah, you got to. Have so some... hear me, hear me now. Believe me later. If this is a, a rumor that actually goes forward, I can understand why. But the prediction is, it will never ever be actioned. It will never ever happen. As in. You'll just have a procession of meaningless fifty-nil procession games against teams that can't afford to risk spending to be in the Premiership without actually guaranteeing that they're going to be there. Well, no, that's not true because actually they might never get promoted anyway because the Premiership team might win. Well, that's well, what yeah, I'm saying. That's what he's saying. Oh, right. That's a, yeah. That, that's the point Tim's making. Oh, sorry. A procession of a procession of fifty-point games in the playoff because, yes. because say, Cornish, Pi- Cornish Pirates would go like. Right, we're going to have to sign Wasaki Naholo and uh, and Adam Coleman esque players to be able to compete in that one-off game in June, with no guarantee that they'll then be Premiership players in September. Imagine how good your squad would need to be, right? So Bristol obviously did their thing, and, and it took them years. It took to them get years. The billionaire. You need, okay, so the recipe for this is you need a billion. Well, according to one Premiership owner, you need to be worth over a hundred million in order to sustain the losses of a rugby club. So let's yeah. let's just say minimum is 100 mil. Yeah. Okay. Um, you then need to escort a squad good enough who do not play that level of rugby all year, win the league, and then have got to go and play the, the premiership team. Yeah. I mean, that's one hell of an ask. I don't think that Bristol could, uh, could have done it, even with their, even with, even with their stars. No. Uh, well, they were playing against that London Welsh team a couple of times and failed to get promoted. Yeah, it's uh, more than a big ask. You're right, Tim. It's, uh, it is a stitch. I don't think I'm nearly as uh, viscerally against it as, as you are. But, you know. I'll tell you what I'm against is is not just being honest. If you want if you want to ring fence, just own bloody it. ring fence it. Yeah, just say just it. Do it or it. don't. Yeah, and I, while I said before, I can see merits in the ring fencing argument particularly given this year's competition, 
um, and the uncertainty and, and the standard of all the teams that were in that relegation dogfight and some of the games, I don't really want to see it. Mm. And I, I do, I feel sorry for Newcastle, and like I felt sorry for London Irish last year and, and Bristol in the past and Worcester in the past. You wouldn't have felt sorry for Tigers, though, would you? I wouldn't have necessarily. There's a bit of um, Schadenfreude if Tigers did go down. Um, I would have felt sorry for George Ford because I, I really rate George Ford. But you got rated that much if he led his team to second bottom in the league. Yeah, he in the been, most like he it, has been having to do it on his own at times. Yeah, he and, really. And, has. Well, I mean, what's that tell you about the performance of Ben Youngs? Uh, yeah, Ben Youngs has, has had some injuries this year. Yeah, but yeah, Ben Youngs is a hit and miss player in my mind. Anyway, I, I will watch the outcome of that particular rumour with keen interest. Mm. Um, any other news? Have you got any signings or anything? Paddy Jackson has been officially announced, but we knew that. All the ones that we told you about months ago have all been confirmed. All the ones that everyone already knew. Oh, Sale have got is... a, a signing as of 6am tomorrow morning. But I guess by the time you're listening to this, it will be out. It'll be out. So shall mm-hmm. I... so you can tell it, tell us anyway. South African. So, what? <laughs> no, actually, mate. Yeah, it's South African. Um, uh, loose had propped Connie Oosthuizen. Will be Who's Connie Oosthuizen? Is he not tighthead? Connie Oosthuizen. I think he's a loose head. I have. I think of him as a tighthead. Have a look, Phil. I'm sure he's a loose head. Jay, how do you spell Oosthuizen? Oh, off the top of my head. <laughs> no idea. But yeah, he. Um, he and the, only, the only other thing is that we've got a big, big weekend of rugby coming up. We certainly do. Oh, the the only other bit of news, um, which happened a couple of weeks ago, actually, but the guy that JB predicted would be the next England coach. Oh, yeah. Is Dragons coach. He's, he's taken a slight, a marginal step down to Dragons coach. I'm, I am astonished by, by, by his appointment. I mean, like, astonished. Um, what do you think, Tim? Iron Lion Dean Ryan. Yeah, good. Obviously, I wonder if this has got anything to do with the financial issues going on at the RFU. Yes, that does make sense because he's. I would have thought he'd be on or close to a director of rugby salary doing a development yeah. type role. I tell you what, I mean, you know, we need to cut those um, cut those expenses so we can afford the, um, afford all of the Negronis. So <laughs> if Dean Ryan's got to go, Dean Ryan's got to go. So interesting, Connie Ustazen. Um, yep. So he's listed in on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. where you probably get most of your information. All as, of it. As a loose head, although it does say you can play both sides of the scrum. That's very interesting. Uh, I've just gone back, and this week he was playing tight head, um, which is where I normally think of him as playing. Yes. I, I can't remember seeing him play loose head. Mm. Great. Uh, very well. start, starting, but I, I could be totally A guy that wrong. can play both sides, very, very valuable indeed. So There you go. Mm. Yep. As a neutral, that that that'll be great. Game, yes. What were we talking about? Dean Ryan, yeah, Dean Ryan. So, really mixed sort of reports from Dean Ryan. I mean, I've said in the past that I don't think he's a very good director of rugby. Um, I think he's a very good pundit for rugby, actually. Very good, very good writer. There are certain coaches in the game who, basically, when you talk to them about Dean Ryan, they think his name is mud. Absolute mud. Like you couldn't get a lower opinion. But there again, I spoke to quite a few players, and they love him. Well, they don't love him, but they 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 respect what he does. So um, I have no idea how this is going to pan out. I have a feeling that his very harsh ways might get the best out of dragons. But Bernard Jackman's no pushover, and he didn't succeed. Yeah, and he's a very good coach as well. So 
I don't really know what the answer is. The answer is well, spend £200,000 improving the Academy House. Get the Wi-Fi yes. the really f- fast. Get the fastest possible Wi-Fi you can get in the Dragons Academy House. Yeah, I mean, look, since Dean Ryan's gone, I believe that Worcester have gone and, strength. And relaxation rooms. You, yes. There's no point in having the Wi-Fi if you don't also have the relaxation rooms. With Fort Knox-grade security on the doors to oh, the yeah. relaxation rooms. Silent alarms, tripwires, everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, since Dean Ryan's left Worcester, I think Worcester have then turned around and built probably the best Worcester squad they've had in years, which isn't exactly a uh, massive advertisement for him. He walked out on them in the middle of a five-year plan or whatever that whatever that may be. But he is a big name, and I wonder what Dragons have promised him. It's Dragons. It's Dragons. It's yeah, but Dragons. What, but what have, they yeah. pro- what have they promised him, Tim? I mean, you know, if I set up my local community radio station here... Um, you know, which outputs to, to three houses, how much would I need to pay you to leave Virgin? You know, they must Well, oh, you couldn't afford that, mate. Well, I mean, that's exactly what Dean Ryan was thinking when, when Dragons called him. So what is it that they've offered him? Because it must be something. Money, surely. And, and for the squad? <sighs> Who knows, uh, mate? No, Newport, the, the glamour of Newport. That might be it. <laughs> that might be it, actually. The bright lights, big city. Yeah, so it's a very... Mind you, have you seen what Newport did with their um, changing room? When they built the uh, faux castle? <laughs> no. They put, like, um, almost like cartoon cladding of a castle <laughs> on what I think look, what looks like a porter cabin. You know, so they can really... Um, Is it? Have they basically copied the Crusaders? It's they, worse. They have, they have something similar to that, It's substantially they? worse. Um, yeah, it, it, it's bad. So, you know, maybe Dean Ryan is the tip of the iceberg because they've signed some good players. Maybe they've got a list of guys that they want that they want to bring in as well. Uh, I hope that's the case, but maybe it's not. Hang on, the other week, the, RFU, the WRU couldn't afford to keep the Ospreys going, and now, <laughs> who knows? Welsh rugby's a mess. Ah, uh, well, we've, we've already spent a Well, it is, and um, Saracens winning the Champions Cup means there will not be a Welsh side in the Champions Cup, I believe. It's all right. Uh, well, not one. Or is that right? I don't know. I don't know. Is there still the seventh? I'm so confused. Let's just get on with the games we know are happening. Yes. No matter. Let's do that. Okay, then. So we've got... uh, There's the Pro 14 semi-final. No, quarter-final. Quarter-final. Okay. No, semi-final. We've had the quarter-finals. so, no, we've had, we've had the knockoff semi. Oh, the, yeah, we've had the quarter. It's the semi card, whatever it is. Semi finals. That is correct. So on Friday night at 7.35, 19.35, we've got Glasgow hosting my beloved Ulster. Glasgow. Oh, the road ends here. I, I tend to agree with you, and certainly in previous years, I would have thought we far exceeded expectations. But there's something about this team that I quite like. The the way that McFarland has got the the kind of disciplined forward team with a bit of excitement and a bit of grit in the backs as well. Uh, McCloskey, I think, picked up the players' player or one of the players' um, awards at the club dinner. And having a, a hard-carrying centre like him with a bit of magic outside him like Lowry and Balakoon and obviously Stockers if he's fit. Fingers crossed. Um, and the pack, the tight five, I just think 
Glasgow are favourites, definitely. And it's at Glasgow as well. It is at Glasgow. Glasgow are definitely favourites. But don't write us off too yet. There don't is a, write us off too soon. There is a small amount of like Ulster being the team of destiny. Like the the New England Patriots that win that first Super Bowl. They're sort of getting it together slowly. It's a new team. It's a young team. Are you drawing parallels between uh, Tom, Brady, Tom Brady and Billy Burns? That's exactly what I'm doing, yes. <laughs> and Bill Belichick and... Uh, McFarland. McFarland. Um, do you think... Uh, Billy Burns' uh, partner looks anything like Giselle. Probably, I mean, I would have thought. So. Billy's a handsome man. So, who's the Gronk? Um, Gronk. Ooh, Stockers. Stockers. So, I mean, I think, I think that they might. Uh, I thought Glasgow were the favourite. Little Mike Lowry. Could, little Mike Lowry would be Wes Welker. Nice, very nice. I like that. Uh, have they got an absolute diva in there somewhere who can be a uh, uh, Moss? A diva. Yeah. Um, maybe John Cooney. John Cooney. <laughs> Ran, Randy, uh, Moss. Ra- uh, Randy Moss. God-fearing John Cooney is not Randy Moss. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, they, maybe it's yeah. tight. I, I, mean, I still think Glasgow are favourites. Glasgow are definitely favourites. Do not, do not read what I'm saying as saying that Glasgow are not favourites. But there again, I mean, I just think the more that the Ulster fans whinge about how miserable they are and how they're going to underperform, the more likely you are that you're going to win. Love it. Keep whinging then, Phil. Keep whinging. Actually, yeah. Tell me how weak you are. We're we're terrible, awful. We're going to get hammered. Yeah. Got no chance. Exactly. Glasgow to shade it, for me, by five points. And then in the other semi final, over in Dublin, we've got Leinster picking themselves up off the carpet, up off the floor against Munster. Good God, I don't want to be Munster. I mean, Munster have got a lot of fights in them and they're a tough lot, but. Well, would you like to be on the backlash, the Leinster backlash, or 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 do they enact welfare policies immediately, and we don't see half half the team? I think I think you'll see the team. I think you'll see the first team subject to injuries like Cronin, who was carrying a knock before the game. Um, try to think, did anyone else go off? I'll tell you who had a very quiet game, almost unnoticeable game for Leinster. Sean O'Brien. Yes, well, he got completely outshone by uh, Jackson Ray. Uh, yeah, he had he had a lot of hard... He put... And Marrow, who was just an absolute nuisance. I forgot to mention one one of my favourite moments of the uh, final was Marrow Toji pulling James Ryan's shirt over his head. <laughs> Have that, Ryan. <laughs> he was... Uh, Itoji, such a bloody annoying nuisance. I love it. Yeah. if If you are on his team... You love it. If you're against him, oh my God, it just winds you up no end. Yeah, the Saracens are quite yeah. annoying. <laughs> they're very annoying because they're so good. And they've got multiple businesses as well, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, don't I just know? Uh, okay, okay, so that was the first one. Uh, Leinster second. Leinster. Leinster should win this comfortably. 20 points. 20 points. I think... I think I think Munster is the team that you, Leinster don't want to be playing because Munster will bring disciplined, structured, but brutal forward play. Yeah. And Leinster will be hurting. They'll, Leinster will have a, the full week off. They will probably come back into training, I don't know, light training, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so they won't have an intense week. But still, that game was so brutal. It was test match intensity. Yeah. It takes a long time to get over games like that. So... And to to lose in the manner that they did, so 
And I, you know, again, Leinster are favourites. Tell me the other thing. If the, are they going to go the RDS or are they going to go Aviva for this? RDS, yeah. Okay, so Leinster showing up to the RDS, they're not going to be hurting as much if they're European champions. But a week after a loss, and also the fans aren't going to be as buoyant as, as they would be as European champions. And I wonder if that will factor into it. I think they'll still get... Right, Munster will have a great turnout of travelling fans. Well, Munster couldn't even fill their own stadium. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't. You know, Benetton came, nearly turned them over. They, they, they had one, one quarter of the stand empty. They, t- they took 12,000 to uh, Coventry. And no one wants to go to Coventry. That tell you what, that is real commitment. I mean, you know, we joke, but that is real commitment. <laughs> it's, only, it's only two hours for us. Why hold a, a bloody final in Coventry? Someone needs to be fired over that. Anyway, is everyone yeah. saying Leinster? Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh, you mean semi final, sorry. Um I am saying Leinster, you'd be mad not to. Yeah. And on to the premiership. Does anyone care about the premiership this weekend? Three uh, games matter. Yeah, let's talk about only three games. Okay. Um, let me just get them up. Wasps v Quinns at the Rico is the biggest. Okay, well... Yeah. Uh, and Ex- yeah, Wasps v Quinns is... is and Exeter, Exeter v States. Yeah, Exeter v Northampton. Because it is in Northampton's hands. If Northampton get a five-point bonus win away at Sandy Park... Everything else is irrelevant. They get fourth spot. Yeah. That is not an easy task. I think Northampton will do it. I think... Hmm. I think they're a bloody good side now. I think they've got a lot of... Oh, by the way, their um, young centre, is it Hutchinson? Hutchinson. Scot- called up Scotland. Scotland squad. Uh, yeah. Which is good, which, I guess. Uh, Richie Gray and Duncan Weir didn't make this, the Scotland training squad. Oh, Sean Duncan Weir, he's had a very good season. He has. Although um, Townsend said they've still they've still got opportunities to shine. Hmm. So, watch this space. Well, when would these opportunities be? Uh, I, mean, I well, assume for Weir, Weir, Weir's Saturday. Got, yeah, we've got one more game left. Yep. hosting Saracens. Thanks, coach. Um, hosting the Saracens. Opportunities to stand in the stand and try and fire an arrow through the Achilles of um, <laughs> Adam Hastings. Well, with with his kicking, you wouldn't be surprised if he could. Um, Whereas Richie Gray will have the uh, top fourteen playoffs. Yes, to shine. Much more chance of Richie Gray making it at this moment in time than uh, Duncan Weir, which is a shame. He's had a very good season. He has. So Wasps Harlequins is interesting. Yes. Um, oh. so, so, sorry, Jay, are you saying that Northampton are going to go to Sandy Park and get the full five points? No, I'm saying they're going to go to Sandy Park and they're going to get four points. Uh, which okay. would which would be enough actually because yeah they're one point ahead aren't they uh, and they're one, one win. they're one win ahead yeah. as well so Harlequins could only draw but would have fewer wins yeah I think Northampton can do it uh, yeah I do I think once they're in the playoffs are going to be a nightmare so yeah give me Northampton now should Northampton fail that brings Wasps Harlequins into play and well Wasps what are they playing for top six uh, yes are they playing for the rights to go to Leinster on the first Friday of the European Cup. Because, quite frankly, those they're not going to be in Saracens' pool. Well, Wasps are playing for top seven now because of the um, Saracens winning, granting the t- okay. seventh spot. So Wasps are likely to either be in a pool if they qualify with Saracens, with the two English teams, or Leinster. So or Wasps the winner of the top 14. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good luck. So, yeah, they've got um, a bit of an ask on their hands. And if you know, it's a poison chalice. If they do make it... 
Uh, I expect to see another performance like um, Leinster away. Uh, 53-3 or whatever it was. Yes. Uh, I think Harlequins are the better all-round team. I think they work harder for each other. And I don't think Wasps are very good. So those two things combined mean I think Harlequins will win, but not with a bonus point. So I think on those two games, I think Exeter will beat Northampton, who will maybe get one bonus point. And I think Wasps will beat Quinns, and Quinns will get a bonus point. So I think they're going to be in exactly the same position they're in. So Northampton again. But, but, but it might affect the, the race for sixth. Oh, race for seventh. Seven, six, uh, sixth it? or seventh, yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly, if assuming Northampton do secure in a manner fourth spot, they would be... Uh, blessed with a return visit to Sunday Park to play Exeter Chiefs. <laughs> they'll do it Hi guys! Twice, <laughs> twice in two well, weeks. Well, so so actually I think Exeter oh, will... Oh yes, you're right. So the so, worst so, scenario for Northampton, right? The worst scenario by far is to put out their strongest team, get to go to Exeter, pumped. no, no, narrowly lose to a second team, second Exeter team, <laughs> but somehow still get through to the playoffs and then have to go again to play Exeter's first-choice team. That is like hell on earth. See, I actually think the most likely is, in that that vein, they put their first string out, they do a few good things, but ultimately get beaten by probably 20 points against a first-string Exeter team. Hang on, no, no, because if they win, right, and then Saracens win... They actually might play Saracens, Saracens, which is even worse. Which is fifty point loss. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed fifty point loss. That's just how it how it is. Yeah, they want they want to they want to get to the play. Actually, so they the best and the worst scenario for them is the same because they don't really want to go to Saracens. They want to sort of they want Exeter to win, so Exeter stay at the top of the table, and then they see the Exeter first team next the week after, and then they get pumped. But not by as many as Saracens would pump them by. Correct. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think I think Northampton are most like I think they can do it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me though if Northampton do lose narrowly, but Quinns win away at Wasps and Quinns yeah. sneak in there. So now, interestingly, both Wasps and Bristol can make the European Cup spots. Wow! So if Bristol make Bris- it. Bristol I mean- are away to Newcastle. Do so, Newcastle even show up for this game? Yes, because they're proud professionals. I don't know. I mean, I'm a proud, I'm a pr- proud professional, and uh, <laughs> that'd be funny if I've got a slight hamstring tweak this week. I'm not playing in that game. Forget <laughs> it. Nonsense. I know you. One, you never get injured. Yeah, that is true. And two, you'll play any game, anytime, anywhere. Yeah, but like my livelihood doesn't depend on it. <laughs> so, like, if I'm Johnny Williams, and I've got a slight hamstring tear. And then I play, and I get seriously injured. I, I don't think. I honestly don't think I'd play this game. I certainly would go when I was on the field. I'd go through the motions. Newcastle I, will get pumped. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see Newcastle's best performance of the season in this game. No, that's just too. Mind you, it's so tragic. It might work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I, I, I really think we did see some sparks um, for them the other week. Dunbar looking good. Uh, Mickey Young looking good. Getting the ball to Gonover and Sonotti, Sonotti. So. Oh, did I tell you? I've heard that. Nicky Gonover's going to Wasps. I thought he's going to France. He's going to Wasps. Really? So I, I thought he'd already signed with Bordeaux or something. No, I'm pretty sure he's off to Wasps. 
Hmm. So um, watch out for that one. Okay. Um. Now, yeah. So that does that game actually does matter technically because Wasps could, with other results going the wrong way, and the sale game does matter because again, with results going their way or the wrong way, they could get into the top six or drop into ninth right. place. Sale will win this. I do not so, think Gloucester will send a good team. So Sale are hosting Gloucester. Yeah. Gloucester we've had it's interesting because Gloucester have had obviously last week as a rest week. They've not actually played that much rugby because they had um the semi finals of the European Cup only yep. three or four weeks ago. So it wouldn't surprise me if Gloucester do send a full strength team they're, to they're play not, properly. They will not send a full strength team. Interesting. Hey, you know, believe me later. Might. I think they might because Next week they've got a bring it a game. Yeah, all if, systems go, and I th- I think they will. And actually, if you think of, if you look at what Johan Ackerman's done over the last couple of months, he has, except for the last game, picked full strength mm. every game, no rotation whatsoever. Well, let's let's find out. Let's find out. And then the only game. Oh no, there's two games we've not discussed. One is totally irrelevant. Oh no, actually, we said only two games are. Um, Relevant. Actually, every game does have some relevance because Worcester Warriors versus Saracens. If Exeter lose, Saracens could claim top spot uh, and yep. get the slightly easier route. And the final game, Leicester Tigers versus Bath. Bath are playing for, um, well, top six or top seven. They could slip out of the top seven if Wasps, Sale and Bristol all win. Oh, wow. So every single game actually has something on it. Yes. You're right. Theoretically. So... Oh, yeah, every single game has something on it, but not every t- every single team has something no. involved. Worcester, Leicester, and Newcastle—they can't do any any better. Leicester can jump one place. Worcester can slip one place. Other than that, and uh, the only other team that can't move is Gloucester. They can't be caught. They're eleven points off Saracens, and they're uh, ten points above Northampton. Yeah. So those four are the only teams that it's irrelevant for. Do you know what Gloucester are my? They're, my, they're the team that I really think are going to do something very, very special in in in, in, uh, in the playoffs. And if they get... So if Northampton somehow... or If Northampton win, right, and Saracens win, and X to go to second, yeah, I think Gloucester will get to the final. That wouldn't surprise me. And once they're in the final, they're a nightmare. And Danny Cipriani... Matchup versus Owen Farrell. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> we saw that when uh, when they. Oh no, that was a, that was Steenson against Sippers. Yeah, and how did that work out for him? Badly. Yeah, uh, Sippers mm. is the man. So, oh God, tell you what, Gloucester got one hell, hell of a tramp, chance this year. It's is it going to be Gloucester's year? I I think it might be. I honestly think they might win the whole thing. Hear me now. Believe me later. Well. Not not gonna is it going on, on the board? Is it going on the whiteboard? The thing is, there's two completely um, what do you call it? Uh, there's two completely logical routes for them to do it. Okay, everyone has a lucky game sometimes, and if you have your lucky game in the semis against Saracens, more power to you because then they've got Exeter's number. But if we, should, do, we should continue this next week when they when we know who they're playing. Maybe I'll may, maybe I'll get 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 a Gloucester player and we can talk about it. You can tell him or her. Why you think? It's or funny. her? Very important. Or <laughs> <laughs> non-binary, self-identify, whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. Z or Z. It's very important that we don't forget these things. So, so before we wrap up, 
Um, two things to mention. One, one bad, one good. Um, and the bad thing is actually good. Okay, please. Because the bad thing is Stephen Jones in the Times. <laughs> I've seen this. Give in. Good old Steve. Andy Good, eight out of ten, playing at fullback for Saracens. Fair play to Goody. So, yeah. Impressive comeback. It's a hell of a comeback. I mean, he's back. I've seen on uh, Instagram or Twitter or wherever, he's back in the gym. So, well, well played, uh, Andy. Um, hard lines, Alex. No wonder you keep getting overlooked. Yeah. If, if Eddie Jones has the same confusion that Stephen Jones has over which one's Andy and which one's Alex, maybe that explains things. Oh dear, poor so, Stephen. So that's that's the bad. Thank God Stephen Jones has built up so much goodwill in the rugby community that will let it slide. <laughs> so that's the, the that's the good bad thing or the bad good thing. Okay. The good good thing is, have you seen any of the uh, Instagram stories from the Saracens boys today? No. But can I tell you something fascinating about one of the one of the pictures? Which one? There's a picture of Mario Topless Ops, yes. with his mates either side of him sitting yeah, yeah. In, this, in the changing rooms, right? Yeah. And if you zoom in, where where do you think that I zoomed? Uh, right into his abs. No, I zoomed above his head. And the reason I did that is because every one of the Saracens has got like a thing. In fact, do you want me to read it to you? Go on then. They've all got a little thing about... Um, you know, what it means to play for Saracens or what they bring to the team. And obviously, they were, it wasn't meant to be snapped, but it is. So, here we go. So, this is for Mario. Okay, so he's put, this is in, in speech marks, the focus and intensity you bring is what separates separates you from every everyone else. Even though you've done so so much already, there is so much more to come. Close quotation marks. I'm struggling to read these because they're very, very blurry. We've got Jackson Rays. It looks Rays. like there's a name underneath of someone who said it, like the teammates have said it about each other. Ah, is that what it is? So, well, you, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. You might, it'd be amazing if, if they said it, said it about themselves. Maybe you should write ours. Um, <laughs> Jackson Rays. Jack, Jackson Rays one says he is a player that everyone in the squad... Yeah, it's a tough word, that I don't know what it says. ...for experience, resilience uh... and leadership. Yep. He is a good or- orator and the passion it, he injects when he speaks, which ironically, as I'm desperately trying to actually pronounce what he's saying. The reason Tim can't evident. pronounce this is because it's very blurred. Very, yeah, I'm just and, looking at uh, And uplifting for his teammates around him. I admire his attitude. He... Uh, is... I can't read. I can't read. But something, something, something. Body on the line. He is. He is never one to back to back down. Is constantly and something body on the line. Puts the body on the line. Yeah, pretty cool. And there's crew. I've got cruises here. Far away. If you, if you can, cruises is a lot easier to read. Cruzos. 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 Preparation and analysis of the opposition has a massive impact on how we perform as a pack and team. On field, his work rate and calmness in leading us forward has huge effect. That's, a, that, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I, I love these little things from behind the scenes that you sometimes get. Oh, come on. You would have absolutely ripped it into Stuart Lancaster yeah. if, he'd have, if he'd have done that. That's yeah, just exactly but, what I was thinking. But do you know what the difference is? Uh, Saracens have won three European trophies in the last five, uh, four years. No, the difference is Saracens played Brad Barrett at 12 and Stuart Lancaster <laughs> plays him at 13. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> so, yeah, the other good thing I was going to point out was some of their Instagram stories. And uh, Alex Good. Not not Andy Good. Okay, yeah. Alex Good has been on the piss all day, it looks like. Good all, all Sunday. 
And from first thing, he's been in full Saracens kit. And he's still in full Saracens kit. Is in, he? That's in, a a pub, in a pub in St. Albans. I've, I've not got the picture oh, to oh, hand fantastic. right now. I'm going to go and look at those now. So, yeah, get on it. Well done, Saracens boys. And the marathon pod done. Not that marathon, only one, one hour 40. Only one hour 40. Fairly tame for us. Only 100 minutes. Yep. On that note, let's call it a day. Yep. You know where to find us, at Ruby Podcast on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page. We've got an Instagram account. We've got everything. We just don't use it. We don't have a Snap account, do we? Uh, no. no. What would you, I don't even know what I'd use that for. I don't know. Disappearing videos? Yeah, take take pictures pictures of our genitals. <laughs> Isn't that what, it, it, the, only, the only function for it? No idea. I've not got a Snap account. No, I don't either. Tim? I want one. <laughs> <laughs> right, on that note, goodbye.